Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. Anthony Chafee, and he was just absolutely a blast to talk to. We ended up talking for a couple of hours, so I've actually decided to split this episode into two parts. So this week, we really talk about things like type 2 diabetes, how the brain, because he is a neurosurgery resident, so he has quite a bit of experience with working on the brain, how the brain really runs better on ketones, how plants have defense mechanisms, and that we may want to reconsider eating a lot of plants if we are looking for optimal health. He has been eating a mostly carnivore diet for almost 24 years, as you'll hear in this interview, and really has a lot of interesting thoughts about nutrition in general and exercise. So that is this week. Next week, we get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty, like is ketosis dangerous, protein sparing, modified fasting, intermittent fasting, all of those things that tend to be debated a little bit more heavily in the low-carb carnivore keto space. So I wanted to get his opinion on those, but that is next week's episode. This week, I think you're really going to enjoy just meeting him and hearing his views again on all of those things health-wise that most doctors are going to tell you to do the opposite. So I hope you enjoy it and you can check out timestamps, which are down in the information section. If you do enjoy this episode, please take a screenshot, share it over on social media, tag me, tag Dr. Chafee. We would love to hear from you. And if you get a chance, head on over to Apple. You can leave me up to a five-star review. It helps to get this episode out to more people. And that is the goal here is to educate people on how they can really transform their health and get off of medications. That is another thing we talk about in this episode is just the overdependence on medication and how if we really ate a proper human diet, we could probably get off of a lot of things. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And I want to thank the sponsors of today's episode. The first one is going to be Optimal Carnivore. You can use my code carnivore uppercase Y to save 10% on all of their supplements. They have a great beef liver supplement as well as an organ meat complex. We take both of those here in our house on a daily basis. Great for the immune system, especially during the darker winter months when there's not as much natural light and time for us to go outdoors and that's how we really enhance our health so check out optimal carnivore the second sponsor of today's show is going to be upgraded formulas you can use my code yogi12 to save on anything over on their website absolutely love their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation because this is a way you can tell how much sodium you need how much potassium how much magnesium Do you even need calcium or could you be over supplementing and causing more issues? So check out Upgraded Formulas. Use my code YOGI12 to save over on their website. And I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. I am very excited about today's guest. A lot of you guys have asked me to please bring him on. Dr. Chafee, thank you so much for being here today. No, thank you very much for having me. And you are in Perth, Australia, correct? That's correct. Yeah. I almost expected you to have an Australian accent, but you're from the United States, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in California and and then Seattle. So sort of, you know, when I was 10, we moved up to Seattle and then I started moving around a lot as an adult and I just sort of landed here about three years ago. 
Uh, but it's been nice so far. It's quite similar to Southern California in, in climate and temperament. So it's not bad. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of my listeners already know a lot about you, but for those that don't, can you just kind of explain your history and, and what it is that you do? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I know we'd love to hear about that. Sure. So I, you know, as I said, I'm American born and, uh, you know, born and raised and, but I, I had opportunities with, uh, sports and started playing rugby, which is obviously not a very American sport. And so when you want to take that to the next level and play professionally, you have to go to uh, other countries. And so I went to England and played professionally there and, um, absolutely loved it. it was traveling all over the world with rugby and, uh, was an all American and things with us national team and so forth. And, and did a lot of, of traveling and playing, um, with that. And so, um, my plan was always to be a doctor. That was always what I wanted to be since I was a kid, but I always loved sports as well. And I always figured you could, you could always go back to school. You can't always play sports at a high level. So I took about 10 years off, uh, before medical school, uh, to play professional rugby, um, because I was always interested in medicine because I was always interested in athletics and, and my own body and performance. I was, I was naturally very interested in nutrition. And so I studied that uh, since, since I was a teenager and then in university and medical school and so forth. And just, and just personally, I found that obviously the, the traditional thoughts were, were being pushed are still being pushed. But then I started coming across other things that, that really started to change my mind. And I started converting more over, uh, away from plant-based, uh, lifestyle, which most, most people are, but I was always meat-based anyway. I always, always loved meat. I always wanted to eat meat ever since I was a little kid. And so that was always a natural, uh, for me. But then when I was taking cancer biology in the university of Washington, you know, we learned just exactly how toxic plants were. And so, you know, this is something that we teach in middle school, really, I think I was seventh or eighth grade biology. We learned that plants and animals are in an evolutionary arms race plants becoming more and more poisonous. So less and less animals can eat them so they can survive and thrive. And that animals becoming more adapted to specific poisons and specific plants so they can eat that plant and nothing else can't, but they can't eat other plants. And so, you know, we know this, we teach this and botanists certainly all know this, that this is, this is a, a major defense mechanism for all plants to a certain extent. And, but then we, we, you know, at the same time, tell our kids that, you know, spinach is good for them. Right. You know, and so, and, and everything else, and, and that's been pushed more and more and more, obviously, in recent decades. Um, when I was taking cancer biology, we relearned all this, but we looked at it from a cancer perspective, looking at specific carcinogens in the plants and vegetables that we eat, and they're quite abundant. So we learned that um, Brussels sprouts had 136 known human carcinogens in them. Wow. 20 years ago, we'd already identified this table mushrooms, white mushrooms had over 100 spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, you name it. These things had 60, 80, or over hundred known human car carcinogens each. And they were quite abundant. We've known since the 1980s that uh, from work from professor Bruce Ames from UC Berkeley, that there are 10,000 times more naturally occurring poisons in plants like spinach than the pesticides we spray on them. This is why we still have the pesticides. We're trying to ban them all in the eighties. They're saying, oh, these are poison. These are bad. And, yeah. and his, his point was, yes, they are the vegetable is worse. And so if you're going to eat the vegetable, the pesticide really doesn't matter. So I looked at that and was just blown away by that. Uh, we thought he must be joking. This has to be a con of some kind, but he, you know, he really wasn't and it sort of dawned on us and like, okay, this guy's serious. And I remember thinking in my head, you know, but, but vegetables are still good for you though. Right. Even 
with all that. And he just looked at us and he said, I don't eat salad. I don't eat vegetables. I don't let my kids eat vegetables. Plants are trying to kill you. So I was like, right, screw plants. And I just stopped. And so that was my introduction into a carnivore lifestyle. I don't know, 20, 22, 24 years ago, whatever it was. And I, but I did it by just not eating plants. And so I was just, I'm not eating anything with a plant in it. So I just got eggs, meat, and milk. And, and that was it. And that's what I ate for five years. And I was continuing to play rugby. I was performing better than I ever had in my life and couldn't get tired, couldn't run out of energy. I wasn't getting sore uh, from training hard, which is, you know, very abnormal. And I just felt better than I've ever felt in my life. And I, I sort of slipped off of that when I was playing in England because I just didn't really know how significant it was uh, to my performance. But you know, later in later years, I sort of came across more information saying like, no, no, actually humans actually are carnivores. That's the kind of animal we are. And that's what I was doing for five years. And when I stopped, that's when I remember not feeling as good and thinking to myself, like, why don't I feel as just unbelievably amazing as I normally do? Like, am I just not training as hard? Like what's going on? Well, that was right about the time that I started eating like, you know, breaded chicken and like a bit of, you know, plant-based stuff here and there. And then it slowly slipped off of that. So after that, I was like, right, I knew plants were trying to kill me, just get rid of all these things. I've just been pure carnivore ever since just meat and water really. And a bit of, you know, cheese or milk every now and then, but very, very rarely. And, and that was it. And then I just started diving into the, to the, the to the literature. At this point, I was, a, I was a doctor and I was taking some time off uh, from my residency program for a family emergency and, uh, and then was doing humanitarian work in Bangladesh and the refugee camps there for the Rohingya refugee crisis. That, I don't know if people know about this, but in 2017, there was a genocide in Burma where they killed about 200,000 people yeah. in a month. Yeah. And then like a million people fled into Bangladesh. And so there really wasn't enough people to help. And so I figured because I was taking time off, I really couldn't, couldn't justify not going. And so it was um, a pretty intense period, but yeah. um, you know, I, w- I went to, to go help. And so, um, you know, since then I've just been digging into the research. I've, I've you know, now reentered residency in neurosurgery um, here in Perth and, 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 and do this on the side and do consultations and things like that and try to help people get better without medicine, you know, and treating the root cause of these problems, because, you know, from, from what I've discovered and things I've read and the patients I've seen, when you look at human health from the perspective that humans are carnivores as a species, that's just the kind of animal we are everything just starts slotting into place because we're carnivores that aren't eating as carnivores as any zookeeper will tell you. Yeah. As any zookeeper will tell you, you feed an animal something that doesn't eat in the wild, it gets very sick, but what does it get sick with? It's obesity, heart disease, liver disease, diabetes, cancer, you know, dogs and cats are known carnivores. And yet we feed them grain and plant-based kibble. They get the same things. We get the same things. We used to call these diseases of the West because they only happened in Western cultures. They didn't happen in native populations like in Australia and America. And now everyone's getting them. Now we just call them normal now we just call them growing normal. older you yeah, know? yeah exactly, exactly. And, and now dogs and cats are getting human diseases at a much yeah. much higher rate and they're blaming whatever they want to blame usually uh you know intensive breeding but you know you're, you're not going to breed these diseases into into a species in a limited number no. of generations you know because these these numbers have increased exponentially since the 1970s so um yeah i've just sort of been 
been digging into that and trying to address the root causes of, of the people's problems because, you know, as I assert, um, I don't think that these chronic diseases that we treat as a mainstay in medicine are actually diseases per se. You know, I think that they're toxicities, toxic buildup of species inappropriate diet and a lack of species specific nutrition, namely, you know, too many plants, not enough animals in our diet. And yep. so when you, when you switch people back and again, then back to a traditional species specific diet, you find that their, their diseases just, just disappear. They actually just disappear. And this shows that cause and effect relationship that, that, that poison poisoned uh, relationship, you know, remove the toxin, the toxicity just goes away on its own. And, and that's what we're seeing, not for everything, obviously it depends on what, what's causing it, but it significantly helps everyone, even if they don't have uh, any problems. So that's, that's really my, uh, my two main focuses are neurosurgery and, uh, you know, primary prevention and, and uh, preventative care. Love that. And, you know, I feel like people for, I've seen so much with cancer and people say, oh, if you get cancer, you should do an all raw vegetable diet. And mm -hmm. uh, it's funny, I had a guy reach out to me for coaching with a stage four lymphoma. And I was like, this is not, I'm not a doctor. He's like, just mm -hmm. help me eat high fat carnivore. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to do anything else. Just help me do this. And he's now in remission and it was just like, That's amazing. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's still done his chemo and, and, and all of yeah. that, but he has really just eaten, you know, a, a high fat carnivore diet, well-sourced from, you know, a local regenerative farm and organ meats. And I would, I'm just like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's really yeah. amazing because I feel like the narrative, and this is why it's so important to have people like you, because when you have letters behind your name, you're a neurosurgeon, you're a doctor, you're obviously an extremely intelligent person to have had gotten where you are and do what you do. You know, if I talk about these th things, people are like, okay, cool. But if you put credibility behind this, I feel like it reaches more people and it's, it's much more impactful. So I really appreciate all this work that you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it is, it is, uh, it is like that, you know, people, people put a lot of stake in, in letters behind people's names and, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's warranted and sometimes it isn't, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that, you know, at least people can, you know, maybe, maybe take things that I say seriously, but the thing is, is that, you know, you don't need to take what, you know, take, you don't need to take it from me. There, the studies are there, you know, I'm not, I'm not just, you know, pulling this out of nowhere. I mean, the, the, there are a lot of studies. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of literature um, that you know I provide, and people like Dr. Baker provide, and so forth. You know, and you know, Dr. Barry and all these sorts of people. You know, when we talk about these things, you know, we we post up back it up studies. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the important thing. And and you know, people can decide for themselves. And um, you know, speaking about the cancer, uh, there's 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 a number of studies looking at you know a ketogenic diet being very very efficacious in the treatment of uh, various cancers. And this is because people are thinking now that instead of a genetic model of cancer, meaning that, you know, you have, you're exposed to radiation or something like that, and you have a genetic mutation and that sparks another genetic mutation and 20 years down the road, you have uh, you know metastatic cancer. They're now, they're now people, people arguing. And I think that this is probably more in keeping with the observed, uh, you know, the observed data is that 
is more of a metabolic uh, relationship with cancer. So when you eat carbohydrates, this changes your metabolism, changes how your body uh, mobilizes energy, but it also changes how your cells mobilize energy. It changes how your mitochondria function and it changes the, the number of mitochondria that you have. And, and there's a number of people looking at this and seeing that, that when you have, you know, um, poor respiration by your mitochondria, the mitochondria are, are the organelles in your cells that make energy. When these things aren't working properly, they can actually kick off an entire disease process, process and actually precipitate these genetic changes. And that it's, it's actually more in keeping with the mitochondrial dysfunction that, that these, th these cancer cells behave as cancer, because there's a guy, um, Dr. Thomas Seafried in Boston, mm -hmm. who's, who's doing tons of work on this. And he found that if you, you know, take a cancer cell, take the nucleus out with all the DNA of a cancer cell, and you put it into a normal cell with normal mitochondria, it doesn't behave as cancer, even though it has all the genetic hallmarks of metastatic cancer, it doesn't behave as such. Okay. But then you take the mitochondria of these cancer cells and put those into a healthy cell that has normal DNA, it does behave as cancer. So that's again, you know, more evidence to suggest that, that it's um, the mitochondria are driving this. And it's a, there's a different sort of disease process going on here than just genetics. Um, and he's actually finding that when you put people on a ketogenic diet, because, you know, we know, um, um, I, I'm blanking on his name, but um, anyway, there, there's a guy who won the Nobel Prize back in the 1930s for this. He, he discovered that, that cancer cells really feed on high volumes of glucose. So, you know, when you have, you have your blood sugar, um, you know, that energy can go into cells. Obviously, when you're not in a, in a carbohydrate driven state, when you're not eating carbohydrates, you, you run on you can make your own blood sugar, liver glycogen, ketones, and so forth. So you run on multiple different energy streams. Um, but either way, you're going to have blood, blood sugar. So our cells get, get energy from blood sugar, but the cancer cells actually get suck in about 400 times as much glucose as other cells. So it's really just ripping in uh, the glucose boom also because it, you know, it's mitochondria don't work very well also. So it's just ripping in just tons and tons and tons of glucose. So if you limit that, you're limiting the food supply of the cancer cells. So you put people on a ketogenic diet. Now they're not having these swings of high blood sugar. Now their blood sugar is rock solid in the normal ranges. And it's just right here. And you found that, you know, glutamine is also something that, that cancers feed on and need a lot of. And so he had a medication that, that blocked that in your body. And he found that, that both of these work and both of these in combination work even better. And so that's, that's very interesting as well. And so there are a lot of people like your, your client that are just taking this and just seeing if it works for them. And I yeah. think that we're going to start seeing a lot more data because there's certainly just, you know, tons of anecdotal evidence and case studies of this uh, being very beneficial. Yeah, it is. And I, I just feel like there's a lot of confusion out there, but I love the fact that you bring it back down to the mitochondria. That's been a huge um, focus on my channel and a, on my platform over the last year, just because you know, as we age, our mitochondrial function slows down, you know, after you hit the age of 25, it slows down and we have to look at all the different things that slow that process down and eating excess carbohydrates, eating that is out of carbohydrates, out of season, eating excess carbohydrates, 
it absolutely slows down and makes that mitochondria swell. Um, that, that can be shown very, very easily. And I think a lot of people aren't really aware of that. I think that that nutrition piece is really, really vital when it comes to mitochondrial health. Yeah. And, and there's even, even studies showing that if you go on a ketogenic diet, that not only will you, will your mitochondria work much better, usually about four times as, as well, Yes, four but more. you get four times as many of them. So it's like a 16 yeah. fold increase in the effic efficacy of your, or your, of your cells ability to generate energy. And, you know, that has to do with you all that, all the cells in your body, you know, including your neurons and so forth. And so this is part of the reason why people that go on these you know, ketogenic diet or carnivore diet, they, they get rid of this brain fog and have so much mental clarity and so forth. Also, your brain wants to run on ketones. That's your brain's primary energy source. You know, this is something I, I learned in biochemistry, you know, two decades ago, you all, your brain is always running on ketones, no matter what you're eating carbohydrates or not, or in your fed state or in a fasting state, it doesn't matter. Your brain always running on ketones. And when you're in a fasting state, it runs on ketones. Um, so people think like, oh, no, you, your brain really wants glucose. It's like, well, your brain can run on glucose, but when you're, when you're high, when you have high, high blood sugar, this is actually damaging your body. It's causing direct damage to your body. And so your insulin goes up to abnormal, abnormal levels and just forces it in. So it's going to be forcing it into areas that it doesn't need to be. And this is why we get, you know, marbling in cows, you know, we give them grains and now they're just stuffing in energy all over the place and, and they're getting intramuscular fat. Uh, and that's, and we like that. It tastes good. There's, you know, fat is flavor as the chefs say, but that's happening to people as well. And so this energy is getting stuffed into everywhere, including your brain. So, you know, people think like, oh yeah, that's what your, your brain runs on. No, actually it's, it's, it's ketones. Your brain's primary energy sources are ketones. And so when you're on a ketogenic diet, when you're on a carnivore diet and your body's running on ketones, primarily you still have blood sugar. It's still the normal ranges. You'll have glucose and, uh, 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 um, liver glycogen and so forth, muscle glycogen, but it's running on ketones and your brain wants those ketones. You actually work better and people get peripheral insulin resistance. This is type two diabetes, but you can get peripheral insulin resistance without having diabetes. Most people do get this. You get it in your brain as well. And so now you're getting insulin resistance and your, your brain can't take up as much glucose. And because your insulin's up, it's blocking out your body's ability to make ketones. And so this is why you sort of feel like crap. This is actually thought to be a driver of Alzheimer's and dementia because you're getting this, this wow. insulin resistance. Yeah. In your brain and your brain just starts shutting down, it gets weaker and it starts atrophying because it can't get energy. And there are other factors that play there as well. But one of the things that people find is when they go on a ketogenic diet, all of a sudden just, just light up and wake up. And there are studies showing that a key, a high fat ketogenic diet is, is a better treatment modality for Alzheimer's than every single medication that's ever been trialed. And I think that's partially to do major part to do with uh, switching over to ketones because now you don't, your, your insulin resistance doesn't, is, is moot because you're running on ketones now, but also your brain is made out of fat. Your brain is made out of cholesterol and needs these things in order to function and rebuild itself. Every minute that we're awake, we get low grade brain damage and we sleep. This is when we rebuild that you need sleep in order to get workers to the job yes. site, but you need concrete to build a building. And so you get sleep and that helps you rebuild this stuff. But if you don't have the fat and the cholesterol that your brain is made out of, which only really come from animal fats, then you're, you're not going to be able to rebuild your brain. Your brain's going to just slowly decay. And this is what we see in a normal atrophy 
in an aged brain, we get MRIs and CT scans of, of, of uh, you know, young people, you know, the skull is full of brain and then you get older and there's all these, all you know, yeah. small, you know, empty spaces and the ventricles are all bigger. And it's like, there's just half the brain tissue of a younger person. And this is, this is normal uh, in keeping with age-related degenerative changes as we'll see on these MRI reports and so forth. I don't think that's normal. I think that that's abnormal. I think that that's from our diet, from eating a low fat, heart healthy diet. And, you know, we're sacrificing our brains, you know? So there's, um, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into that, but it, I think, it, I think that's what people are noticing when they get, uh, you know, they get rid of the brain fog and so forth when yes. they go on these sorts of diets is, is that those are the two major, major functions. Yeah, I think that's huge. And coming from a neurosurgeon, you know, that's it, it's validates it even more. But the Alzheimer's issue is huge. I mean, it is mm -hmm. just we're, we we call it type three diabetes, but we just see yeah. more and more and more of it. And you know, as that's increased, we have been pushing this plant based you know, high sugar diet to people eat your fruits and yeah. eat your vegetables. And we've demonized meat, we've demonized saturated fat. And you know, what you're saying is those are the best things that we could possibly be eating, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you look at it. Um, you, you look at when that happened, and when these recommendations came through, which were, were fraudulent, by the way, I mean, we have hard evidence of that. Right. It's not even, it's not even discussion. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but there are more than that, you know, the journal of American medical association published in 2015, actual internal memos from the sugar companies, uh, back in the sixties showing that they had actually paid off three Harvard professors to falsify and, and falsify data and publish fraudulent studies to make it appear as if cholesterol was causing heart disease and to exonerate sugar, because there's actually a big push on the other side of the literature saying that, no, 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 it looks like sugar is actually doing this. And so they're like, well, we need to protect our investment. And so they exonerated sugar and even called it an empty cow. It's just an empty calorie. That's what it is. That's where that, that phrase comes from. Those, those guys, uh, one of those professors was named head of the USDA. And it was, it was he who, uh, helped author the 1977 USDA declaration, basically that cholesterol caused heart disease. And, and to stop eating cholesterol and saturated fat. And this, this changed the world. You know, we actually listen because, you know, people have a, have a tendency uh, of appealing to authority, you know, which is like, you know, someone's in charge and they say, it, that must be true. It was like, well, no, no, not necessarily, you know, just because teacher said so doesn't mean teacher's right. And so, and, and also teachers being paid off. So yeah, um, that was a problem as well. And so people listen to this, unfortunately, and this, this changed the health of, of the country. So just in America with hundreds of millions of people, we reduced our fat and cholesterol intake by 30% and we reduced red meat by 33%, 33 to 35%, because obviously that, that had the most saturated fat, had the most cholesterol. So that was the worst Same with eggs, right? Well, no, yeah. they're actually, they're actually the best. And then we increased our fruits and vegetables, 30 and 40% respectively and grains and sugar as well. And what were the results? Well, first of all, the heart disease rate tripled, you know? So you, know, you can't say that cholesterol causes heart disease if you reduce cholesterol and heart disease rates triple, okay? Right. That's not even a correlation, okay? In fact, you have an inverse correlation, you know? In, in fact, you could, the only thing you could draw from that is that cholesterol may be protective. And in fact, all the big studies uh, post-2015 
are all actually showing that. You're having tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of patients. They're actually seeing no correlation between higher LDL cholesterol and heart disease. And in fact, they're finding inverse relationships. So like higher LDL cholesterol uh, is, is associated with less strokes, with less heart attacks, with less uh, you know, cardiovascular events. Um, and also people over the age of 60 who have higher LDL cholesterol are living longer. They're healthier. They're having less uh, ailments and so forth. So this is, um, this is wildly um, you know, mistaken. And, and we know it was fraud. So you know, even if we didn't know it was fraud, we know, we know it's wrong. You know, the physicist uh, Richard Feynman said, you know, it doesn't matter how brilliant your theory is and it doesn't matter how smart you are. If it doesn't agree with the experiment, it's wrong. Okay, so we did the experiment. We had hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. Now billions of people worldwide. It's wrong. Okay, yes. so you need to throw that out. But we also have document. We have we have just hard evidence that this was fraud in the first place. So you have to throw that out, and you have to start from scratch. And so that's something that I've been trying to do as well. And and noticing other things in medicine that are just are just based in supposition, best guess at the time. Um, and, but it's just not being borne out by the data. Like if you eat more protein, that's going to be hard on your kidneys. It's a nice thought, you know, you have to cleave nitrogen from protein in order to excrete it in urea, urea, when it starts creeping up, that can be a marker that your kidneys aren't functioning very well. So, you know, that, that can be, uh, thought to, you know, cause a problem to your kidneys. It's a nice thought. Wasn't borne out by the data. When people actually did the studies and actually looked at it, they found no, that's absolutely wrong. That doesn't do anything. But people still recommend this. You still have nephrologists, you know, recommending to their their uh, you know patients with uh, kidney disease. They're like, oh, you got to you got to start going plant based. You got to stop eating so much protein. Yeah. You can't eat meat anymore. I'm like, buddy, you need to start reading your own damn research in your own field. You're like, you need to stay current. Like, I'm 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 not even in your field. I know this. Why don't you? You know. Yeah. So, and there's tons of that. There's just tons of that. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of medicine is uh, not based in hard science or fact. It's just, you know, we do the best that we can and we, we make a, an educated guess that is sometimes correct. That's sometimes wrong. It's more often wrong, honestly. And then you get cases of fraud. Those are less common from what I've found, but they certainly exist. Yeah, it's, you know, anytime I've tried to talk to a doctor about nutrition, it's, it's never really gone very well, just knowing what I know. Yeah. I had a doctor last summer tell me to stop taking um, liver supplements because they were full of metals. And I was going to like, yeah, I was going to get liver toxicity and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, and then I looked into it and actually found out she was a vegan. <laughs> she right. was an endocrinologist that was doing some blood work for me. And she, I was like, mm, nope, we're done. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not good advice. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the traditional thought is that, you know, is that meat is bad for you. And right. it started, it, you know, it was all based on that idea that cholesterol caused heart disease and saturated fat increased yeah. cholesterol. So they're like, stay away from it. So you can eat fruits and vegetables. You can eat those as much as you want. Those lower cholesterol, that's the only bad thing on earth. I was like, well, actually like almost everything is bad for you. You know, they're very limited things that are actually good for you. You know, you don't, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you know, plants don't want, you know, battery acid. They want water. They don't want mountain dew. You know, they want water. They want certain nutrients. They have certain requirements. So, so does a hummingbird, you know, so does a so does a bee, so do humans, so do dolphins and so forth. So, you know, 
diet is species specific. And so if you haven't evolved to eat something, that something is bad for you generally. Um, meat is, is generally good for everything. You actually find that, uh, you know, even herbivorous animals will sometimes eat meat and it's actually quite healthy for them. You see, you know, <laughs> sometimes disturbing videos of like a horse, just like just eating a, a baby chicken and just eating it, just eating it whole. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> and, um, or like an elk, uh, just like grabbing a rabbit or like a baby duckling and just like eating it. And I've, you know, I've seen it in person at my, um, my sister's house. There's a lot of elk that come through and oh, wow. you know, little ducklings. they just, they just, you know, just go and chomp them. And so the, these, you know, there, there isn't anything harmful in, you know, normal skeletal muscle meat of, of your, your average animal, but there are harmful components and toxins in plants because they have to, they have to create toxins in order to stop predation because they're stationary they can't move. And so they, they have to use different defenses than mobile animals do. You know, we can run away or fight back plants can't, you know, and every, every living organism has a defense. And so that's something that plants do. And this is, this is universal throughout the plant and fungi kingdom. This is something you just see in, in everything. And so since we have been carnivores, our ancestors have been carnivores for the last two and a half, three million years, full carnivores. We have lost a lot of the protections that we had 8 million years ago when our ancestors were herbivorous and then started eating more and more meat and started evolving into what we are today. So we have some protections and then some, some uh, ethnicities have, you know, uh, act, had, had their, their background in areas that had the uh, agricultural revolution. And so they were eating some more plants and this was a survival mechanism in, in certain ways. And so this sort of selected out for people that were a bit more resistant, but it's, it's, it's a bit more resistant. It's not, it's not, it hasn't become our optimal diet by any stretch of the imagination. You know, one, one way of looking at that is when you look at, again, the diseases of the West, this is something that happened to Europeans and, and so forth. But then we went to, you know, America and Australia, we just didn't really see this, these diseases. Well, now we do. They get them much, much worse than we do. The Australian uh, Aboriginals, they- Aboriginal, yeah. Uh, yeah, when they when they are eating uh, a Western diet, they get very very sick. They get huge obesity rates, diabetes rates, heart disease rates, you know, peripheral vascular disease, and so forth. It's it's a common practice here in Australia as doctors when you're treating um, you know one of the native Aboriginals, whatever their age is, say it's forty eight, you just consider them at sixty eight. You you just add really? twenty. To, yeah, you just add twenty to their age because that's basically the the demographic that we're, you're thinking about, like, th these are the diseases that you're going to see this. These are the, these are the problems that you're going to have to think about because they just, they just age prematurely and they get very, very, very sick. Well, they don't, if they don't eat Western diet, if they don't eat sugar, if they don't drink alcohol and so forth, if they're just eating their natural carnivorous diet, you know, just animals that they, they hunt in the wild, they don't get these diseases at all. And in fact, there was a study that looked at going back to their traditional diet for very, very un unhealthy uh, people that actually, you know, you know, they lost a ton of weight and they reversed their diabetes and heart disease and all these sorts of things. And, you know, sometimes damage is done. You can't, can't go back on everything, but right. everything that was able to be reversed was reversed. And um, that's, that's something that I actually remember hearing as a, as a child, when I was in California, I remember, you know, on some sort of program, it was talking about how 
when on a Western diet, Native Americans were four times as likely to get obesity, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and so forth. And I remember thinking at the time, uh, you know, doesn't that mean the food is causing the disease? You know, because if they don't eat the food, they don't get the disease. And right. we eat the food and we get the disease, we just get it at a lower rate. And, you know, and what's a Western diet and what's a non-Western diet? What are they eating that we're not and vice versa? And they didn't say it at the time, but the answer was a pure high fat carnivore diet. You know, look at the Inuits yeah. you know, up in the North Pole. They, they don't have any plants to eat them if they wanted to. You know, yeah. they're just eating, you know, seal blubber and so forth. I remember seeing that as a kid. I was like, well, isn't that going to kill them? Isn't that going to cause heart disease? Shouldn't that make them fat? Like, yeah, because you grew up when I did, you know, we grew up in the 90s and everything was the yeah. fat free era back then. Right. That's how yeah. we were. It's funny, you know, you talk about growing up and really just loving meat. I was the same way. I would, there was a place called uh, Ryan Steakhouse here. It's kind yeah. of a chain, but I was, I remember what as a kid, I would just beg to go to the big R. Like I wanted to go just yeah. get a steak. Like as a five year old, my mom thought it was hilarious. So we'd go. You know, but then as I got older, as I was a teenager, you know, it was snack wells, fat-free cookies yeah. and fat-free chips. And I felt all this pressure to just eat all the fat-free foods. And right. I was put on my first antidepressant at age 14. You know, right. I had some situational stuff going on, but food impacts your brain so heavily. For me, right. I've been off of all medications for years now, no SSRIs or anything, and the big thing that's changed for, changed for me is meat-based diet, you know, lots of meat, lots of eggs, lots of fat, lots of saturated fat and no sugar, you know, yeah. and it's, it's just astounding how food really impacts not only our heart health, but also just the brain health. And I feel like there's just this huge mental health crisis going on, um, in our country and, and around the world as well with the, with these different diets. Yeah, I think so as well. And, you know, at the same time that all of these diseases uh, increased quite rapidly, you know, mental health issues and depression, anxiety, and so forth, all, all increased as well as did, you know, neurodevelopment, neurodevelopmental delay, such yeah. as autism and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a friend of mine, uh, Natalie West, she's a psychologist over in Melbourne. Uh, we were on a, a, a debate recently uh, with the Australian College of Nutritional and uh, Environmental Medicine as well. Um, on basically arguing for carnivore versus vegan diet. And so we had three people arguing for at least a meat-based, if not a carnivore-based uh, approach. And then people, and then three, uh, you know, stone-cold vegans. And it, it, was, it was an interesting debate. Um, and she argued from the mental health side of things, uh, there are a ton of studies in psychiatric journals showing that people with lower LDL cholesterol are actually having higher rates of uh, depression and anxiety. Not only that, but that those with lower rates of uh, LDL cholesterol and depression have a much higher rate of suicidality. So, you know, psychiatrists are that that know about this are pushing their patients to get their LDL cholesterol up to protect them. Um, she talks about a lot about this, not even just depression, but but mental health disorders in general. These things are. Uh, very much tied to the things that you eat and can be exacerbated uh, in, you know, infinitely by, by eating the wrong things. I've just noticed just anecdotally in myself and, and with a number of patients and so forth that just greens, greens cause a huge problem for me. I was, was just carnivore, you know, when I was just getting back on it and my, my parents were wanting to try it as well. And so they went on 
on it. And my mom was cooking this big roast and she, you know, loves cooking, do all these sorts of things. So she was, you know, trying to put all these spices and seasonings and, and just literally just crusting this with just every plant she could find. It was, it was literally just green on the outside. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. yeah, because Don't she was just, that. she was just trying to, yeah, trying to find an end route around this. Like, and I was just like, well, mom, you're not supposed to eat plants. That's, that's really the whole point. She's like, no, 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 we're not having any plants. We're having any, it's just the meat. Yeah. We're just having the meat. I was like, no, no, but you're putting plants on the meat you know, and she was like no, no but no but that 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 that's just the meat it doesn't count i was like yeah well you can tip cocaine in your coffee too and tell yourself that you don't do cocaine oh there's just coffee oh that's all it is but no there's there's actually is something else going on there um so she ended up making that and i was i was over there for dinner and i was just sort of like well should i scrape this off i really don't want to eat this but you know i didn't want to be rude and you know that was it for right now i just don't care i'll just scrape it off but yeah. At the time I was kind of sort of like, oh, well, I don't want to appear to be rude. And also I was just curious. Okay. I was like, okay, well, let's see, you know, how, what will this do? Will this affect me somehow? And so I had a couple pieces of this lamb with this, this, you know, herb crust on it. And I, I became very upset. I was sort of overreacting to little, little things in the, in the dinner table conversation. And, and I, I became extremely depressed and very upset to the point of I'm, I'm honestly, I was contemplating suicide. I was just like, I don't want this anymore. I want this. I want to end this. I'm just, I'm just so done. I remember, I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's just sort of like waking up in my own conscious consciousness and, and just saying, I, I shouldn't feel like this. You know, there, there was nothing that happened tonight that justified me feeling like this, but I do feel like this. And so I realized like, this is pathological something, something's happening to my brain chemistry to make me feel a way that I really shouldn't feel. And so I remember thinking to myself, just sort of making a deal. I was like, okay, uh, just go to bed, just go to sleep and reevaluate in the morning. If I still feel this way in the morning, you know, I'll, I'll kill myself in the morning. I, I actually said that to myself. Wow. I woke, yeah. And I woke up in the morning and I, I didn't feel like that anymore. I felt just basically emotionally numb. I remember thinking to myself, what the hell was that about? Why the hell did I feel like that? And, you know, was I just completely overreacting to what was going on or, you know, what else was like, was it the damn herbs on that stupid lamb? And so I was like, well, there's only one way to find out. So I tried the lamb again and I was depressed the rest of the damn day, wow. but at least I knew why I was depressed and I was miserable. And, and now I had a, a focus of it. I was like, stupid plants. And I was like, never eating you bastards again. And so I've noticed that in, in patients as well. And this is one of the things that, you know, ketogenic people do is they'll drop carbohydrates, they'll drop sugar, which is great. Those things are, are absolutely terrible, but then they'll eat, they'll, they'll think, well, I need to get my new nutrients, all the nutrients and the vitamins are all going to come from plants wrong. All those things are coming from meat and sure. You'll have vitamins and nutrients in plants. Plants are living things. They're going to have things in them that are beneficial for other living things but they're also going to have a lot of things that are detrimental. And so you're getting, you know, the good with the bad. So a lot of these people eat a lot more of the plants and greens and make these big salads all the time and so forth. Yep. And, and, you know, they can, they can actually run into a lot of harm. You know, famously Jordan Peterson ran into the same. Oh yes. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was just basically eating ketogenic diet, a high fat meat-based ketogenic diet. Meat and greens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, he was still very depressed and had very bad 
anxiety and, and his daughter Michaela, you know, convinced him to just try a carnivore, just a strict carnivore, just drop the salads and, and just try it for a month, see what happens. And he did. And after, you know, sort of two, three weeks, the anxiety issues, uh, it, you know, if, if not went away, you know, significantly improved. And, you know, he looks at it and went, salad was doing this to me. Like, and <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. And so this is, this is something that I, I see as well. I just sort of mention this to people that are having issues uh, with their mental health. It's just like, look, you know, you can just get rid of that last little bit, you know, and, yep. and see how it affects you. And, and I've, I've found that people are responding very well to that. I don't know exactly what's going on in, in the greens that are doing that, but uh, I, we definitely are seeing something and we certainly know that cholesterol plays, uh, plays a role as well. Definitely. Well, you know, that's a lot of my story as a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga for 12 years, was really doing, trying to do like a low meat, high vegetable diet. It was basically paleo. Mm -hmm. And the reason I turned to carnivore is because a doctor friend of mine was like, look, just try this out. I think that a lot of the stuff that you're dealing with, I had joint pain. I couldn't do, I mean, I love doing like pretty fun athletic yoga. I couldn't do it anymore. And I was yeah. like, well, I guess it's cause you know, I'm in my late thirties and that's, and she's like, no, just try this. And all the joint pain, the indigestion, the bloating, the eczema and the mood just shifted within probably two weeks. And I was back uh -huh. in the yoga studio doing all the fun stuff that I love to do without pain. And I was just looking around the room, like, oh my gosh, like there's all these vegans in here and I'm here yeah, feeling yeah. better than I have felt <laughs> in years. And all I've eaten for the last, you know, couple of weeks here is meat. Yeah. And that's how the carnivore yogi name was, was born. Cause it was a joke. I was like, what if I yeah. started a whole thing about being a carnivore yogi? But I mean, that's the only way I was able to go back to teaching and go back to practicing was that I got rid of the, the plants that were really causing me issues. And the thing that you say about the mental health, that's why I stayed carnivore. I was like, I'm just mm -hmm. going to do this for 30 days. I'm just going to try it at the end of the 30 days. I was like, if I could keep this mental clarity and this feeling of happiness, I got to keep doing this. And that's why right. I stayed on. It was just like, I didn't feel depressed. I didn't. And I just um, naturally have had issues with depression, anxiety since I was a kid. And it was like, wow, that's just gone, you know? And yeah. I, I love sharing this with people because I feel like, you know, there's so many, like I ha half my friends are on, you know, Zoloft or Prozac or um, right. just on so many medications. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know? No. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, you know, sort of depression runs in my family as well. And, and I've, I've certainly had had issues with it throughout the years. And I'm, yeah, much more, you know, just just even tempered and just just, just mellow and happy now, you know, obviously, things can still get me down, but that's just part of life. But I don't get pathologically upset where I'm, I'm not able to cope or handle with my situation because of how upset something gets me or, or if nothing gets me. And that's, that's a problem that a lot of people have is that they have so much anxiety and so much depression. They, they literally can't leave the house. They just don't want to get yeah. out of bed in the morning and, you know, they can't do the things uh, in their life that will improve their life and, and make them happier people in general, because they're just so unhappy in general because of this pathological state. And I, I try to, uh, you know, express that to, to people as much as I can. And, 
you know, some people take the advice and some people don't, but yeah. you, know, you can, you know, you can only do as, as, as much as you can. Um, yeah, I, I, I bet like in your, in your, uh, uh, yoga community. Yeah. It was, it was just tons of vegans. Like it's crazy. I, I, yeah. yeah I, I wonder like how, how, uh, how well they took that. Usually they don't. Well, I've hard. kept it quiet. I mean, I have, you have to find, you have to search for me to find it. Like people in my real mm-hmm. life don't know about the carnival uh, yogi podcast or youtube yeah. they've, they've started finding it because it's been happening for about three years now um, okay. and it's funny i was just texting with one of my students this morning she's been a student of mine for about eight years and she's just was texting me to thank me because she's been following all my stuff and she's been actually implementing it and she's like i can't oh, great She's like, I can't believe how much better I feel. This is amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Just, she just kind of found me and I didn't, I don't, I don't really push it out to people just because I will get a lot of, of, uh, flack from, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's, there are some people who are open-minded and I do have friends of mine that I'm like, look, you shouldn't, you should not be this anxious and depressed. And I'll tell you as being in the yoga community for as many years as I've had, there's so much anxiety. There's so much depression. There's so many mental issues among teachers, you know, I'm like, guys, maybe this vegan thing is just not working. Maybe it's not, it's not helping. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's, and that's supposed to be something that people uh, would normally, you know, uh, associate with, you know, good mental health, you know, you're meditating, you're doing yeah. yoga, this mental oh, health, body health sort of connection. And, and yet people are, it's probably, you know, a lot of these people are living behind a bit of a, a facade and then they're very just much so very together. much. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Chafee. As I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, there is a part two that will be out next week where we talk about is ketosis dangerous? That is just a big thing that's been going around lately. Protein sparing modified fast, how much fat you should eat on a carnivore diet, and so much more. So many questions that I get from people who are interested in following a carnivore diet. It was great to get his opinion. So again, if you enjoyed this episode, please do head on over to Apple, leave us up to that five-star review. That would be awesome. Share this out on social media, text it to a couple friends who you think would enjoy this episode and learning about all the cool things that Dr. Chafee has to say. And I want to thank again, the two sponsors of today's podcast. The first one, Upgraded Formulas. You can use my code YOGI12 to save on anything over on their website. They have an awesome hair tissue mineral analysis, as I mentioned, so that you don't have to guess about what you need when it comes to electrolytes, when it comes to minerals, even iodine. There's a way that they can tell you if you need iodine, which is a hot topic right now. The second sponsor is Optimal Carnivore. You can use my code carnivore uppercase Y to save on any of their products over on Amazon. I'm a huge fan of the beef liver supplement, as well as the organ meat complex. They're all sustainably sourced, great supplements, and we take them daily here at our house. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited for you to hear part two next week and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye.